Well, good morning, Emmanuel. How are you feeling today? You excited to be here? Awesome. It is so excited to be here with you today. We are starting our brand new Christmas series today, and we love Christmas around Emmanuel. What do you think of our stage set? Do you guys love it? Isn't that fun? Isn't it beautiful? It's a fun time around Christmas time. I think everybody loves Christmas, don't they? Does everybody love Christmas? I mean, everybody. Does everybody love Christmas? Well, I'm sure a lot of people love it, but not everybody loves it. The other day I was getting my hair cut, and uh, the lady who was cutting my hair, she asked me, she said, are you all ready for Christmas? And, you know, you have your presents done? I said, no, I have, a, I have a wife that kind of takes care of most of that stuff. And she says, yeah, every wife is good at that except for this one. And I was like, okay. And so I said, well, what, you know, what, do you like Christmas? Are you ready for it? She says, yeah, I'm ready for it to be over. And I was I just cracked up. I love it. I was like, it just hit me that not everybody loves this time of the year, but many people do. So it's a delight to be here with you today. Hey, I want to jump into the story of Christmas. Uh, I haven't done that in a while. And uh, I look back on previous uh, years. I, I just want to kind of dive into the story. And maybe the last time you heard the Christmas story is when you watched the Charlie Brown special. And so some of this may sound familiar to you. But the, here's how kind of the story rolls out. An angel named Gabriel shows up and starts talking to this 14, 15-year-old girl. That's how old Mary was when the angel came to her. And he tells her that she's going to be pregnant. And Mary is a what? She is a virgin. So some of you are like, oh, she was? That's cool. Uh, <laughs> she was a virgin. And, and so she's a little bit confused because she knows that, you know, that she's not been with a man. So she kind of pushes back and says, how's that going to happen? How's this going to take place? And, and then the Holy, uh, the, not the Holy Spirit, uh, the angel Gabriel says, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to take care of all that. And, and he's going to work that out. And so she's like, okay, you know, let it happen as, as, as you see fit. And so sure enough, sure enough, she gets pregnant. And late into her term, as she's carrying Jesus inside of her belly, uh, the, the emperor decides that he wants to count everybody in the region. It's called a census. And so everybody has to go to their hometown to be counted. So Joseph uh, was engaged to Mary. He takes her to Bethlehem to be counted because that's they, where they were both from. Well, when, she, when they're there, guess what happens? Mary's water breaks. That's what happens. And so she has to have, she's got to get this baby out. And there's no room for them in the end because the place is crowded because everybody's there to be counted. So he, she ends up giving birth to Jesus in a stable. When Jesus comes out, if you were watching the video or if you've ever read the Bible, she wraps him in swaddling clothes and she places him in a, in a manger. It, and, and it's like, what does that word mean, a manger? You know what it really means? A feeding trough. It's where the pigs put their snouts in and all the, the donkeys, they eat food out of this thing. They take the creator of the universe, the creator of every man, woman, and child, the, crea- the one who hung the stars in the universe, the one who created the heavens and the earth, and, they, and she places him in a feeding trough. I just think that's fascinating. When that happens, there's this angel that shows up in a field close by. There's some shepherds out in the field. This angel shows up, and he freaks these guys out, these shepherds. It says that the radiance, the glory of, the, of this angel was, was shining brightly, and so the, the shepherds are freaking out, and this is when the angel steps in, and he says something to, to reassure them. Listen to this, Luke chapter 2. The angel reassured them and said, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you, say it with me. Good news that will bring great, say it with me, 
joy to all people. This is, this is what Christmas is all about. It, he says, I'm, I'm going to bring you some good news that's going to bring great joy to all people if they should opt in, right? What is, that, what is that good news? Listen to this. He says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You know what I want to do for the next three weeks? I just want to try to answer this question. What is the good news? Like, what's the big deal about a Messiah? What's the big deal about a Savior? How does the Messiah, how does a Savior, how does the Lord be, bring good news to all people? That's, what I, I, that's all I want to do for the next three weeks, and so you're going to want to come back next week. Let's talk through a couple of these issues. Number one, what is the good news? The good news is this, that Christmas brings you and I personal satisfaction. That is what the good news is. That Jesus came in this world to bring you and I personal satisfaction. Would you agree that you desire happiness in your life? Raise your hand if you desire to be happy in this life, right? None of us wake up and desire sadness or desire meaninglessness, right? Or, 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 or melancholy. Or, you know, we, we want to be fulfilled. We are wired to be happy. We want to experience fulfillment in this life. Well, guess what? When the baby came into the world, when Jesus came into the world, he brought with him personal satisfaction. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But my purpose, watch this, is to give them who? Me and you and every human alive, good news that brings great joy for all people, rich and, say it with me, satisfying life. This term here is abundant life, fulfillment of life, life to the max, life to the full, a life filled with joy. Have you ever stopped to consider what joy might be? That word, it's so like, is it, is, does it mean happiness? Is, is happiness a synonym to joy? I don't think so. Joy is a pervasive sense of well-being that is not connected to your circumstances. Oftentimes, happiness is a feeling or a sensation that is connected to our circumstances. Not so with joy. You can be joyful in the midst of very difficult circumstances. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it, does, it has very little to do with your circumstances. A rich and satisfying life is a life filled with joy. What about peace? Have you ever stopped to contemplate what real peace is? Let me give you a definition. Peace is rest of soul rooted in the goodness of God. Again, not my circumstances. It is rest of soul, inner rest, inner tranquility that is rooted in the character and the goodness of God. A belief that all things do, in fact, work together for those who love him. That is what peace is. That's what Jesus came to give us. A rich and satisfying life. He came to deliver to you and I a life that is free from fear. Can you imagine living a life free from fear? It no longer plagues you. He came to deliver to you a life free from worry. <laughs> Which, wouldn't you love to just let worry go? Anybody? Yes or no? I mean, this is what Jesus came to bring us. This is what Christmas is all about. A rich and satisfying life. How about a life free from an ad any addiction you might have? You can, maybe it's a prescription pill addiction. Maybe it's an alcohol addiction. Maybe it's an anger addiction. Yes, you can be addicted to the emotion of anger. Maybe it's from pornography addiction, and you know somebody that needs to be delivered from that. What's the answer? Christ, Jesus, Christmas, he comes to bring personal satisfaction, a satisfaction that no pleasure can give, satisfaction that no drug could give, not alcohol or success or any amount of money. Do you know anyone who needs Jesus today? Yes? Yeah, that's what he came to bring us. 
personal satisfaction. In John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, listen to these provocative words. Jesus stood up. He's at a party. He stands up. This is a seven-day party, okay? On the end of the seventh day. They knew how to throw, they knew how to throw parties back in Jesus' day. Okay, so at the end of the seven days, he stands up and he says these incredibly provocative words. Listen, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Who does this guy think he is? Does he think that he's the source of joy? Does he think he's the source of peace? Does he think he's the source of personal happiness and satisfaction? What do you think? He knows who he is. He says anybody who will recognize the soul thirst that they might have, the, anyone who's taken enough time to reflect on the soul thirst that's inside of them, every single one of us have it, he's saying. Anyone who recognizes that thirst can come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and say it with me, drink, drink. He uses a metaphor that we understand, water and drinking and thirst and physical thirst. We get that. We comprehend what he's saying. For the scriptures declare, when you drink, watch what happens. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And then John adds this commentary in the brackets. He says, and when he was talking about the living water, he was speaking of, say it with me, the what? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. What is the living water? It is the Spirit of Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit of God. Whoever would come and believe, everyone would receive that very Spirit. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, guys, if you recognize, if you recognize the soul thirst that you were born with. If you recognize that you were created for happiness, if you recognize that there's nothing in this world that will ever satisfy that thirst, if you have enough perception to see and understand how your soul was made, come and drink from the fountain of living water. And Jesus said to a woman in John chapter 4, if you drink of the water that I give you, You'll never thirst again. What is he talking about? He's talking about inner satisfaction. Meeting the desires of a human soul. There's nothing in this physical world that can meet that. You can try it. And you know many people who have. Money, power, physical things and possessions, sexual pleasures, all these different things. They promise personal happiness. They promise personal satisfaction. And many of you have gone down that road. In fact, many of you are going down that road now, seeking personal happiness through something other than Jesus. Jesus says, just come to me and drink. And rivers of living water will flow from your heart. Wow, that's what Christmas is all about. Isn't that something? We're going to talk more about that today. But let me give you a little bit of an overview of where we're headed in the next couple of weeks. It's so important that you come back because number two, we're going to be talking about healing in relationships. Christmas brings healing in relationships. Is there anybody today who's struggling in a relationship? <laughs> Do you know anyone today who's struggling in a relationship? Relationships are so hard. Why are relationships so hard? It's because people are crazy. They are. Come on, let's talk about it. Can we, can we have an honest moment here? Let's just have a fireside chat real quick. People are nuts. They are. People, people they're crazy. They do crazy things. They're selfish. They're prideful. They're easily offended. It's hard to get along with people. That's why the divorce rate is still 50%. People don't like each other. Listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you got money, no money. I don't care if you're popular or not popular. I don't care if you're fat, skinny. I don't care what color your skin is. You are difficult. 
Listen, I am difficult. I make it very hard on my wife to get along with me. Why? Because I'm a person. I'm a person. Relationships are hard. You open up the Bible, and in chapter 4 of Genesis, the first book, what happens? The first two children of Adam and Eve, what do they do? Cain kills his brother Abel. You, we got issues. Like, they didn't even get out of the first book of the Bible, and there's a murder. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And then it get, doesn't get much worse after chapter 5. I mean, it doesn't get much better after chapter 4. But guess what? I can't preach on that right now. I want to, but that is next week. If you got some kind of screwed up relationship in your life, and you do, because you're a person, come back next week and bring your screwed up friends. I promise you. I promise you. It's going to go well. We're going we're gonna to look into some stuff. Okay? Christmas. Christmas. Okay. That's your invitation. Remember Jenny was talking about the, hey, come on. <laughs> I know you're screwed up. You need help. Okay. So then number three, week number three, Christmas brings fellowship with God. This is what it's all about. God opens up the heavens and he sends down this baby. Why? So that he could be in fellowship with you and I. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For God was in Christ. You know what he was doing in Christmas? You know what he was doing with that baby when it came out of Mary's belly and she wrapped it in swaddling clothes and put, it in the ma- put him in the manger? He was reconciling the world back to himself, not counting people's sins against them. I'm not going to go too deep here because this is week number three, Christmas Eve. Three services right here. Come back for this, okay? But, I, but here's what I want to say about this. Forgiveness is different from reconciliation. You can forgive somebody and not be reconciled to them. Why? Because that person is toxic. That person, you don't trust them. They have patterns and habits that if you let them back in your life, they're going to hurt you again. So you can forgive them, but that doesn't mean you have to reconcile to them. They're two separate ideas, right? Reconciliation is bringing the parties back together and restoring the relationship. That's different from forgiveness. Jesus does something different. Jesus goes beyond forgiveness. Yes, he dies on the cross for our sins. Yes, he no longer counts sins against us, right? But then he goes a step further, and he brings us back into fellowship with God. Powerful. We're going to talk more about that in week number three. You're not going to want to miss it. Man, this is good. Are you getting a sense of what the good news is all about? Are you getting a sense of what it means that the Messiah came into this world, that we have a Savior, that we have someone who is the Lord? Are you understanding this? Is this exciting to anybody? Some of you are not getting it. Some of you are still looking at me like this because, you know, that's okay. Just hang on, hang on. This is good stuff. This is life-changing, life-transforming truth. Now, here's what what I want to talk about for the rest of our time today. There's so much to this good news. It's so beautiful. It's so satisfying. It's living water. But so often, we miss it. We miss it. Even when I was talking about personal satisfaction, some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Living water? I've never tasted that. I don't know what that feels like. I mean, I know what it looks like to get something, new pair of shoes. I know that feeling. <laughs> and I know that feeling, too, because I like shoes. But, but I'm talking about living water. I'm talking about something different. We often don't experience what the Bible says we're supposed to be experiencing. Especially during this time of the year because Christmas brings all kinds of expectations and distractions. I mean, have you noticed how crazy Christmas is? Like you got to buy presents for everybody, then you got to wrap them. And then you got to have a dinner. And then you got to have a Christmas uh, a staff party and an office party, and you got to go here, and, and then there's, you know, the music, and you got to make sure everybody, you know, all the, all the cookies, and the, oh my gosh, and the desserts, and oh, Christmas is exhausting. It's kind of like being on a roller coaster. Have you ever had this experience where, you know, maybe you think back when you were younger, and you think, oh, I used to like roller coasters, but now you're like mid-30s or 40s or maybe even 50s, and somehow someone talked you into getting on the roller coaster again? 
And you have like maybe some fond memories. It's like, oh, this will be okay. And then you get on it. And after the first couple of turns, you're like, oh, this is so exciting. And your head starts to rattle. And then you hit a really sharp turn. And then you go for a loop. And you're like, whose idea was this? Get me off of this thing. Who, what idiot? I'm an idiot. I can't believe I got on this ride. But then it continues and it doesn't stop. And then you keep going and flipping and turning. And then it finally comes to the end. And, and you're just mad at somebody. You're mad at yourself. You're looking at your kids. We've had this experience before. This is, this, I, I believe this is the way Christmas works, right? You know, it starts out, you're like, oh, this is fun. Remember the music? We like eggnog. We like cookies, presents, you know. And, and then there's a turn and another turn and then there's a party and then there's a loop and then you're going and you're like, get me off of this ride, right? And then by the time it's over, you feel sick to your stomach. I remember 10 years ago, and literally it was, we were, it was like 10 years ago, my wife and I went on, a ro- went on a roller coaster and I think our kids talked us into it. One of the local theme parks here. And I remember specifically there was a loop involved. And, <laughs> and when we got off the... <laughs> When we got, I wish you were there. When we got off the roller coaster, I was looking at my wife and she was walking slow. And I looked at her face and she was looking down. And then I looked at her, uh, the color and she was a different color. She's like a yellowish kind of color. Like I haven't seen that on her face before. And so she starts, I, start, I said, honey, are you okay? She said, I need a trash can. <laughs> and and I, I get tickled when people throw up. I don't know why. I know I, I love, let me, let, me tell you, let me tell you why I get tickled. Because, because of the, uh, the sounds, the sounds. You never hear those sounds other than when somebody's throwing. Right? So, so number one is the sounds. And then, and then you, people just lose control of their bodies. I mean, I, I just, I mean, what other, you know, scenario do you see people like hugging a toilet bowl, like resting their head on the toilet bowl? It's like you never touch a toilet bowl, especially you don't put your head on a toilet bowl. But, but when people are throwing up, they don't care, right? They don't, like they lose total control of their body. They're hugging stuff, laying on stuff. Don't, they're touching stuff they shouldn't touch, right? And so I just, I just get tickled. I know you see, like, what kind of pastor are you? I'm a sick pastor. I have issues. <laughs> So, so she goes over to the trash can, and I'm just laughing and giggling. And the shirt, she, right in front of everybody, right, that she just loses it in the trash can. Listen, that is Christmas. <laughs> I mean, when it's all said and done, it's like, where's the trash can? This is terrible. Get me off this ride. How did I get on this? And anyway, I don't know. I don't know how, yeah, so let me gather my thoughts here. So, so Christmas, oftentimes, it just distracts us. It's, it, it jolts us. It flips us. And, 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 it just, and then all, when it's all said and done, instead of being focused on God and Christ and all this stuff and have it, let it be a spiritual time of the year, it's, it, we're left with, with, with a sickness and we're, maybe some tension and some anger. And, and here's the question I want to answer in this series. How do we prevent ourselves from being distracted by Christmas the holiday? How do we receive the good news when all of Christmas is saying, go here and do this and buy this and wrap this and cook this and do this? And none of it's really about Christ or Jesus. None of it's really about the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord coming into the world. But we all fall into that rhythm and those patterns of of Christmas. And we we miss the personal satisfaction, the healing in our relationships and the fellowship with God. How do we prevent that? Two things today we'll push into the living water idea, and then we'll get out of here. Number one, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help a lot of you today, okay? Number one, watch this. We have to release some expectations. Christmas brings expectations. The holiday itself brings expectations. Who's cooking the meal? You know? Who, the presents, you know, the wrapping and all, all these different things. The parties. 
the get-togethers. Some of the expectations just come along because of the nature of the holiday. Some of them are put on us by family members. Hey, you got to cook the meal this year. Can we do it at your house? <laughs> you know, some of them are self-inflicted. Well, I just have to do that. I've always done it. You know, I've always cooked everybody a loaf of bread. So, well, why are you going to do it this year? Because I did it last year. It's like, well, nobody's telling you you have to do that. <laughs> you know, I had a lady after the 915 service came down. She said, I'm so happy. I'm not cooking cookies this year. She was so excited. I love it. Because why? Because I set her free. <laughs> Some of you need to hear this. Some of you need to be set free today. You don't have to cook the cookies. You don't have to bake them. You don't, you don't have to. Now, let me, let me be clear on what I'm really saying. I'm not saying there's something evil about cookies. I mean, they can be evil. But I'm not saying there's something evil about decorating. I'm not even saying there's something wrong with buying presents and wrapping them or having a meal. I'm not saying there's something wrong about family gatherings or parties. No, no, no. Don't hear me. Don't mishear me. What I'm saying is if those things distract you from the real meaning and purpose of Christmas, then they can become bad things in your life. Does that make, that's what I'm really saying today. And so some of us need to re release some of the expectations. I'm going to tell you a quick story about two women in the Bible, Mary and Martha. One did a fantastic job not caving into the expectations of, of the culture, and another one not so much. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he stops by Mary and Martha's house. Watch what happens in verse 38. Jesus and his disciples went on their way to Jerusalem, and they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into their home. Now, Martha caves into the expectation to do something for Jesus. Watch what happens. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Does that sound familiar around this time of the year? Because <laughs> there's this expectation to cook. There's this expectation, you know, it's Christmas time. We've always done it this way, and so we've got to do this thing. And it's the, it's the same thing culturally back then. This is not a holiday, but Jesus is a special honored guest. And the expectation was when you have an honored guest, you cook a meal. So she starts to cook a meal. The word distracted means to be drawn away. It means her attention was supposed to be on something else, and now her attention was on the wrong thing. That's what it means, to be drawn away. She was distracted by the big dinner. So she came to Jesus. Watch what happens to Martha's heart. And she says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that, you, that my sister just sits there on her lazy rear end? I added that part. I added that part. It doesn't say that in the Bible. Um, it's implied, but it doesn't say that. Doesn't it seem unfair that my, that my sister just sits here while I do all of the work and I cut the, the potatoes and I, and I get the meat ready and I get all the, the dishes, you know, ready and I, I set the table. I guess they didn't have tables back then, but, you know, I get all the, all the plates ready. Doesn't it seem unfair that I'm doing, will you, will you tell my lazy sister to get up and help me? What happens to Martha's heart? She gets a little bit self-righteous. She gets a little bit judgmental. She gets a little bit proud. She starts to look down. She starts to judge her sister. Why? Because Martha was distracted by the expectations of the culture. Jesus is here. And instead of being focused on Jesus, she was focused on the expectations that came along with Jesus being in the house. 
And some of us, unfortunately, let that happen to us during this time of the season. Instead of being focused on the baby and Christ and the good news of what he came to bring us, we fall victim to the expectations that the holiday puts on us, and we miss it. And then we get mad. And everybody else who won't help us with the decorations, <laughs> who won't help us with the gift wrapping or the shopping, and we're like, you're just so lazy. Like, why? I just can't believe I do all this by myself. <laughs> right? We just get angry. Why? Because you fell victim to the expectations of the holiday. Some of you need to hear me loud and clear today. You need to learn how to use a word. It's a very simple word. It's a very small word. Ready? It's called no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to cook that. I'm not going to decorate that. I'm not going to buy that. I'm not going to wrap that. Again, there's nothing evil about that stuff. Please hear me. I'm just saying if it's crushing your spirit, if it's stealing your joy, if it's distracting you like Martha was distracted, release it and let it go. Amen? Yes? That's good stuff. That's good stuff right there. Some of you are like, some of you husbands are like, well, does that mean I don't get a meal this, this, uh, <laughs> listen, listen, if it's sucking the life out of your wife, then let it go. Let it go. Look, ordered Bob Evans. Have them come bring something in. It'll be worth it to you. Be worth it to you. I promise. You have your wife there, healthy, vibrant. Number two, number two, what else? Release expectations, number one. Number two, spend time alone with God. Spend time alone with God. See, Martha got busy cooking. Mary made a different decision. Look at verse 39 with me. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Special guest comes into the house. Jesus, the rabbi, the one... (laughs) who came to bring life, and he comes in. Apparently, Jesus had a little devotional. (laughs) He came in, and he had a little, I don't know what he had, but he had something to say. And when Jesus started to talk, Mary just sat down at his feet. And Mary started to listen to the words of Jesus. Why? Because Mary knew who he was. Mary knew that he was the source of life. Mary knew that he was the source of joy. Mary knew he was the source of peace. Mary knew that Jesus had eternal life in him. Mary wanted in her what was in Jesus. And Mary knew that if I'm going to get some of his spirit in me, I'm going to have to sit at his feet and take it in. You hear what I'm saying today? Mary sat down and spent time with the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord. And she listened. One time when Jesus was given the greatest sermon on earth, the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 7 of Matthew, he, made, he said this incredible statement. He said, whoever hears the words of mine and does them is like a wise person who built his house on a rock. And then the winds came and the floods came and, and all kinds of stuff hit that house. But the house didn't fall because it was founded on the rock. Would you like to have a life that was founded on a rock? Would you like to have an unshakable, eternal kind of life? A life of abundance? Well, then you have to sit at the master's feet. And you have to hear what he has to say. And then you have to put into action what he has to say. Did you know Jesus had a lot to say about finances and money and possessions? Did you know Jesus has a lot to say about worry and anxiety and peace? Did you know Jesus had a lot to say about lust and addictions and things that plague us like that? Did you know that Jesus has a lot to say about anger and frustration? It's all right here in the New Testament. He said, well, how do I, 
How do I get over that stuff? How do I live this abundant life? You have to sit at the feet of the Messiah and listen to what he has to say and then follow what he has to say. And then, see, Mary knew that. Mary knew that if I could hear his words and put them into practice, his his teachings are going to lead me to the life that I want because he's the living water. He's satisfaction. His words are life and they are spirit. So Mary spends time with Jesus, instead of getting caught up in the expectations of the meal, and oh my gosh, and Jesus is here, and we need to get out the red carpet, and get the special china out, and you know, get, you know, get the, the best cut of meat, no, 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 she, she, she didn't fall victim to any of that stuff, she just spent time alone with the Messiah. Listen to what Jesus had to say to, to Martha, after Martha started complaining about Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, listen to this. But the Lord said to Martha, my dear, you're worried and upset over all these details, the meal and everything that went along with it. But here's the thing, Martha, there's only, say it with me, one thing. Martha, there's only one thing that you need to be concerned about. There's only one thing this, in this scenario, in this situation with me being in the house, there's only one thing that you were supposed to be focused on and you missed it. You got distracted, you got drawn away by the expectations, the cultural expectations and the meal cooking and all the prep and the cookies and the decorations and the mistletoe and the eggnog and the music and the presents and the wrapping. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, Martha, and your sister Mary has discovered it. She found it. And that will not be taken away from her. Martha, Mary discovered it. She made the right choice. Mary sat down at my feet and she listened to what I had to say. Mary understood, Martha, that that I'm the source of joy. I'm the source of life. And if you would just take time to be with me, you'd find what you were looking for. You know, I love the book, Mere Christianity. It's a difficult book to read. Um, it actually was original, a bunch of uh, tapes that were recorded on the radio that were reorganized into a book. It's written by C.S. Lewis. It's got um, some challenging passages in it. Uh, but if you hang through the book long enough, you come across some sentences, and I really do mean sentences, that are life-altering. This is one of them for me. C.S. Lewis said this, If you want to get warm, whoa, almost fell off my seat. If you want to get warm, you have to get near the fire. If you want to get wet, you have to get into the water. Well, if you want joy, power, and peace, and eternal life, you have to get close to or even into the thing that has them. Lewis is talking about Jesus. If you want joy, peace, power, eternal life, you got to draw close to the source of it. Some of you are like, I'm not a very satisfied Christian. I'm a frustrated Christian. I, my problems stress me out. Anger. I got sickness is getting me down and depressed. I'm not a very happy person. It's because you're not close to the source of joy, the source of peace, the source of eternal life. You're not sitting at the feet of Jesus, taking in the words and then putting those words into practice. So what I did when I read this sentence and I get emotional about this sometimes if I let myself. When I read that sentence, I just made up my mind. I just made up my mind. I made up my mind that I was going to be a Mary for the rest of my life. I know that sounds feminine. Some of you men just lost a little respect for me. It's okay. 
It's okay. I regularly, regularly disappoint people. I'm getting used to it. I've decided to be a Mary for the rest of my life. I've made up my mind to do what Mary did. When I start my day, the first thing I do every day is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Doesn't matter if I'm out of town, in town, on vacation, not on vacation. Because it's not a pastor thing. For me, it's not a pastor thing. Oh, you do that because you're a pastor. You have to. Stop it. That's nonsense. It's nonsense. You know what? You want to know why I made up my mind? Because Jesus said he's the living water. And he said if you take me in, rivers of living water will flow out. And you'll never thirst again. He promised that. So I, I just made up my mind. You know, there's nothing more powerful than a made-up mind. Have you ever discovered that? You talk to somebody who's been smoking for 20 years, and then they stop. And you go, whoa, 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 come on, come on. This is not easy. Lots of people want to quit smoking. How did you do it? I made up my mind. I didn't want to die of cancer. I wanted to be around for my grandkids. A made-up mind is powerful, is it not? You talk to a drunk who used to be a drunk. A person that used to drink for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, no more bottle, no more alcohol. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. How did you do that? Lots of people want to give it up. They've been through AA. They're back in rehab. It's so hard. It's so difficult. How did you do it? I made up my mind. That's what they say. I'm not going to die of this. I'll be set free from this. So I just made up my mind. For the rest of my life, pastor, no pastor, I'm going to get close to the thing that has them. I'm going to get close to Jesus. I'm going to start my day with Christ. I'm going to sit at his feet like Mary did, and I'm going to take in the living water. And so far, it's proven pretty good for me. I have two questions for you as I wrap up. This Christmas season, what expectations are you going to release? Are you going to cook that meal or not? I'm not saying don't cook it. I'm just saying if it distracts you, maybe consider releasing it. Maybe throw a pitch in. Are you going to buy a present for every single person you always buy your present for and wrap it and do the whole thing because you've always done it that way, even though it stresses you out and it makes you angry and steals your joy? <laughs> or are you just going to say, you know what, this year we're just not going to do it that way. I'm just going to give everybody a card with a little cash. Wouldn't that be fun? Everybody likes some money. What expectations are you going to release? So that you don't get thrown off, drawn away, distracted by the expectations of the holiday. And then number two, will you carve out time to be a Mary? Will you be a girl, guys? <laughs> will you spend time with Christ, with Jesus, in the beginning of your day? And if you'd say, man, you know what, the way you put it, the way you explain it, the answer is yes, I want to do that. Okay, here's what I've done for you. I've, I've actually taken a step for you. I made a, a six-minute video this week in my office that maps out how to spend time with Jesus. It's got actually going to pop up on the website in 47 minutes. It's going to come live. It's going to be on our app. It's going to be on our website. It's going to be on Facebook. I made a six-minute video to help you understand well, how do I do it? How do I actually spend time with Jesus? 30 minutes. How, do, how does that work? I got five key principles that I cover in the video. I use those principles every day. You can watch the video today. If you made up your mind that you are going to spend time with God, go to our website, watch that video so that now, so that you can be prepared and equipped to know what to do if you should decide to spend time with Jesus. Mary, Jesus said this to Martha, there's really only one thing you should be concerned about. And Mary discovered it. 
Have you discovered it today? I made up my mind, I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. And so far, so far, Jesus has filled my heart with joy and satisfaction that nothing else in this world can deliver. Will you follow me down that path in pursuit of personal satisfaction? I hope you will. Let me close by saying this. I'll go back to something Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He said, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. A moment ago, I mentioned what reconciliation means. It means bringing back two parties. It's not just forgiveness. Forgiveness is awesome, and it's involved in reconciliation. But it's a step further than forgiveness. God was in Christ bringing man and God back together. How? No longer counting people's sins against them. How is that possible? How can God just sweep sin under the carpet and say, oh, don't worry about it anymore? Is that what he did? It's not. The baby came into the world with a specific purpose, to one day become a 33-year-old man and spread out his arms on a cross and allow nails to be driven through his hands and his feet and allow himself to be humiliated, mocked, brutally whipped so that your sin can be forgiven. See, on the cross, Jesus paid the price for sin. He he paid the penalty for sin so that you could go free, so that sin was no longer held against you. See, right now, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christ follower, you have to pay for your own sins. But you don't have to do that if you put your faith in Christ because he's already paid for them. When we, listen, when I heard that explained, I was 17 years old when the light bulb went on for me. Some, some preacher said to me, very clearly, I remember it. He said, you can pay for your sins or you can allow Jesus to pay for your sins. It's your choice. And I'm sitting there in the, in the row, just like you're sitting in the row today. And I'm like, well, why would I want to pay for my own sins? That's ridiculous, especially if they're already paid for. So that day, I just remember, I just opted in, like, count me in. <laughs> like that, I'd be crazy not to let Jesus cover my sin and wash away my sin. Like, I'd be nuts because the penalty of sin, if I should pay it myself, and if you should pay it yourself, is eternal separation from God. It's like, I don't want that. I don't want to go to that other place called hell. I don't, I don't want to go there. So for me, it was like a logical, simple situation, equation. I opted in. Maybe today, for the first time, something clicked for you. And it's time for you to opt in and ask Christ to forgive you so that your sins are no longer held against you and you can be reconciled to God. If that's you today, I'm going to invite you to pray a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. And what you, you say, I've never prayed before. That's okay. Take my words and you use them. Make it your prayer to God. This is a prayer he loves to answer. And you just say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. Come into my life. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me your child. I'll say it a little slower. (laughs) I want to be your child today. Forgive me and wash me. If you'd like to do that right now, I'm going to invite you in this very holy moment. Please don't get up. Please don't open doors. Don't distract anybody right now. Say this simple prayer of faith. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price. I believe you died in my place. You took the pain, the humiliation, the crucifixion for me. So I trust you right now. Wash me, make me clean. Remove the guilt and the shame of my sin. 
place my faith in you, my confidence in you. You are the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. And from this day forward, give me the strength, the wisdom, and the grace to live a life that is honoring to you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, we rejoice with you, and we want to give you a gift on your way out. We always do this. Um, we try to be generous in this way. We want to give you a free Bible. Um, it's a one-year New Testament. It's a very, we, or, we special order these specifically for those of you who put your faith in Christ because it's broken down. The New Testament is broken down into little five-minute, six-minute readings. I read these passages every day. This morning, I read it again in my time alone with Jesus. We're in the book of Revelation right now. There's tables back here to my right and to my left. The reason we give these out is because we are passionate about you spending time with Jesus. We are passionate about the Word of God transforming your heart and transforming your mind. And so please go grab one of these. Also, when you grab your Bible today, if you pray to receive Christ, you're going to see a card inside the Bible that says starting point. This is a four-week conversational environment designed to help you answer some questions and get started on your new faith, or some of you I know are returning to faith. And so here's what's cool. In an environment like this, my son even asked me this morning, this is so funny, my middle child just this morning said, Dad, uh, do you ever answer anybody's questions? I said, what do you mean? It's like, you know, when you're up there preaching, you know, people raise their hand and, and say, you know, do you ever call on them? That's what he said. Do you ever call on them? I said, no. I said, no, but it doesn't really work that way. Um, it's not the environment for Q&A in this environment. And I, I said to him, I said, that would actually be a little awkward, you know, interrupt the, interrupt the preacher. And, and so I, I don't do that. And so it's true. It's true. This is not the environment to say, uh, 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 Mr. Danny, uh, question on that verse. Uh, I think you misinterpreted it or something like that. It's not the time to, but you know what? This is the time to do that. So these four-week conversational environments are designed for you to raise your hand and say, wait a second, I don't think I understand that. Can you go back? What about this? What about that? And so please, if you pray to receive Christ, sign up for that. Starts January 8th, four weeks of, of, a, of, a, of a conversational environment. Can we give God a hand for what he's done today? So exciting. Hey. Hey, next week, next week, remember we talked about uh, relationships and, and how challenging they are? Listen, Christmas brings with it the ability to have healing in our relationships. You're not going to want to miss it next week. Bring your friends. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for coming into this world, for living, for dying, for coming back to life so that we can be reconciled, so that we can have fellowship, so that we can have personal satisfaction. God, I pray that we would be concerned about one thing this Christmas season. As we do everything else, the cooking and the presents and all the other stuff, may those things not distract us from the one thing, and that is spending time with you and drawing upon you for life and joy. You are the living water. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. See you next week. Bring your friends. God bless.